when you can allow for something greater than you to permeate you, whether it's grief, whether it's love, whether it's an ocean, whether it's the sky, whether it's the death of a species, whether it's fully being with the death of a loved one or even the end of a relationship. When you can allow anything to have its way with you fully and be fully changed by it or fully present to it, it will grow you. It will grow you. And it will grow you into greater intimacy with what is. So every moment, depending upon our level of presence, will grow us and evolve us and therefore will shift our position in relationship to everything else. Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hello, everyone. We are here with Claire Dubois, one of our favorite people in the world. She is the founder of treesisters.org. She's rolling her eyes right now. She is the she founder. She has left the building. <laughs> she has left the building. She is the founder of treesisters.org, a woman's organization and movement that has planted 19 million trees at this point. And their mission is so much deeper than planting trees. It's actually, to me, like a complete upgrade into the human system, the work that this woman does and the mission that she holds. And she's so inspiring. Get ready to be blown away. I'm so excited to introduce, stop rolling your eyes, Claire Dubois. She is so inspiring. (laughs) I'm sorry to put pressure on you, but it's true. Would you like to share a little bit more about the work you do from your own perspective? I guess I would say the work that I do myself I mean, yes, I founded Tree Sisters and it's its own being and it's 20 plus women giving their life on a daily basis to make everything that happens happen. So that's not me anymore. Um, I'm, I'm in there. I'm leading it. I'm the one that stands out front. I'm the one that holds the mission most closely to my heart and is loyal to an originating impulse that includes all of us which is supporting humanity's return to a reciprocal relationship with the natural world consciously. But me, what's the work that I do? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to fall back into an authentic relationship with myself, with life. I'm trying to fall back into actual intimacy, actual intimacy with creation that is not led by my mind. And the reason I think that is so important and so difficult is because the reason our world is in the mess that it is, is because we've been severed from that intimate relationship of belonging. 
where we could do no harm to the natural world because we experience ourselves as an expression of nature. And when we no longer experience ourselves as an expression and we see ourselves um, through the eyes of fracturing or separation, we can do whatever we want, including know fine well where we're going climate change-wise and species extinction-wise and everything else-wise that we know that's going on, and carry on as normal because that's the normal behavior of a species that has forgotten who it is. So remembering, daring to feel, daring to stay present, daring to uh, step out of the insanity of what's been normalized into the sanity of what is considered abnormal at the moment, which is radical care, radical responsibility, authentic feminine leadership, trying to bring forth a completely different narrative that is body-based. You know, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm standing in the mess of it all, trying to be awake to it all and being willing to discover on a moment to moment basis that I am something completely different to what I think I am or what I've been taught that I am and to be that permission for the women in my network. Thank you for that permission. It just is. I don't know another way to be, you know, I don't know another way to be. Claire, thank you so much for expressing at Global Sisterhood what we call authentic feminine leadership. You have such a powerful story. And I'd love for you to share with our audience about how Tree Sisters came into being. I was on my way to um, a communications meeting in London to hand over this concept that I had for a reforestation revolution that would put trees into the hands of everybody. And I was late. I woke up late. And so I took the shortcut and it was icy and I crashed my car into a tree. I was swerving on ice on this really steep corner that would have taken me over an edge. And this tree stopped me from going over an edge. And there was a blinding flash of white light in the car. And these two words, the experiment inside the car, inside the white light. And I'm looking at these two words and this male voice starts talking as if I just switched on the radio. And it said, humanity is running out of time, but it's not over yet. It's going to take everyone rising to the challenge to face what's coming. The single greatest threat facing humanity is fear of failure. But you can get over fear of failure by calling everything you do an experiment because you can't fail an experiment. You can only learn. And I said, what's the experiment? And back came, you have to reforest the tropics within 10 years. And then the whole of Tree Sisters was given to me word for word, including your project is called Tree Sisters. It's a crowdfunding mechanism. You have to make it as normal to give back to nature as it currently is to take nature for granted. Women have to remember who and what they are. Feminine consciousness has to be reinstated or it's over. But that's like super pricey. There was a huge download and everything that Tree Sisters is now has come out of that download. But the point is, call everything you do an experiment because you can't fail an experiment. You can only learn. Another way of saying that is live every experience completely. If life gives you an experience, feel it, live it completely. Don't question whether it's sane or insane. Just do it because you can't fail. You can only learn. And so when you're in that place of, I want to give up, okay, then give up. In that moment, instead of fighting that feeling, fully feel it. In there is gold. In there is like you're swinging from one side of the pendulum all the way into your shadow, somewhere deep in the shadow is part of you that is trying to become conscious. I was really struck by the comment you made about feeling all the feelings that you don't want to feel and how that is key to 
caring and creating a new way of being and relating to the world. And I just would like you to elaborate a little bit more on that. You know, there was a moment in Colorado, I'd been driving with a friend and we'd been driving for about nine hours. And for about five of those hours, I can't remember where we were. We were heading south to Boulder, but I can't remember like through the mountains when every tree I saw was dead or dying and just mountainside after mountainside of dying aspen trees or dead aspen trees or all the dead conifers. And, and then it was more than aspen and conifers. It was like, oh my, I, I, and I was, I was so distressed. And the guy that I was driving with just kept saying, well, let's put on some comedy. Let's put on some, you know, and he'd put some stuff on. And I was like sitting in the car crying next to him. And in the end, I was just like, why are you trying to distract me from the Holocaust that we're driving through as if it isn't here. And I said, stop the car. I've got to get out. And I got out and I stood in front of this just stunning landscape, massive landscape of death and dying with all these cars just driving through as if, oh, you know, the end of the Rocky Mountain forest doesn't really matter. And I took some photographs and I posted them on Facebook while I was standing there and the tree sisters started responding to me from all up and down the Rocky Mountain states saying, it's as bad here, it's as bad here, it's as bad here, or it's worse here. And, you know, within 10 minutes, the news that I'd got from the world was the Rocky Mountain forest is dying right now. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, so who's talking about this? Who's doing something about this? Who at the level of government is saying, well, we need to be preparing for massive water shortages because these forests are the forests that, are, you know, these are essentially the cloud forests of the, of the West of America. And these are the forests that are going to create the groundwater and the rivers and the streams. And when they're gone, and because they'll be burning and they'll be burning very soon, and we know they're already burning, you know, what's the plan? And of course there is no plan because we're in complete denial. And everybody that was driving past me was in complete denial. And then you feel like you're mad because you're the one person that's standing there bawling your eyes out. And it took me three weeks to take Colorado's dead and dying trees into my body. But when I cry and I cry and I cry and I cry, it's my way of coming to terms with and coming into relationship with what is and with the loss of what is, because these species matter to me. I don't want to live in a world without the Rocky Mountain forest. I don't want to live in a world without mountain lions. I don't want to live in a world without polar bears. You know, I don't want to live in a world without killer whales. I'd happily live in a world without mosquitoes, but you know, I don't want to live in a world without so many of these species that are, you know, bees and butterflies. And when I let myself grieve, it's because I'm letting myself love. And what that does is it turns my compass. It turns my compass more and more towards life. It indelibly anchors me into I mean, in this moment, it's like stewardship or priestessship or whatever you would call it that just means my life belongs to this planet. You know, my life belongs to this planet and she is my first love. I actually believe she's everybody's first love, but I think we've been taught away from her. So we don't know, we don't recognize that love, but I want it. You know, it's not like I want the grief. I want to belong so completely to this planet that I no longer know myself as separate. I want that. Like, I want to be so completely of this earth that all the leadership that comes through me arises with her intelligence and her genius. And that's not to say I want Claire to just vanish, but I'm not terribly interested in Claire anyway. You know, I am very interested in who Claire becomes when I can get out of the way and let the immensity that is Gaia move through me. 
because she made me and I believe she knows me better than anybody. So for me, our grief is our way home to our hearts. It's our way home to our creativity. It's our way home to authenticity. It's our way home to our power. And when you cut off your ability to feel the allness of yourself, you're becoming the ripples on the ocean, not the entire ocean. And think about the power. Think about the power of the entire ocean if you let yourself feel it, if you move it through. But you know, you have to deal with your fear of your own power. To deal with your own fear of your own immensity. You've got to deal with your fear of being too much. Show me a woman that isn't afraid of being too much or too little or too something. And we are it all. And we need to be permission for each other to be it all and not operating from that place of competition or needing to make ourselves smaller to make other people feel comfortable. We need to be allowing the full throttle nature of what feminine nature is to move through us. And that involves feeling and embodying and being willing to express the desecration of our world and the feminine. And if that doesn't make you cry, then there's some serious work to be done. Wow, Claire, thank you for sharing that. In a way, it was incredibly painful to feel. I'm actually in Colorado right now. So I'm looking out the window, looking at the trees. And it's so hard to wake up it's so hard to feel what's happening. I know for me, it was living in San Francisco and working at the most expensive building in the city and having to walk by human beings, homeless with no food on the streets with elephantitis. These people that have conditions that can be taken care of with the snacks that are abundant in each of these offices. And for me, I was like, wow, we're all so numb. And so my question for you is, in your perspective, what happened that got us to this point of just being so incredibly numb to our relationship with each other and the natural world? I think shame. I think shame has happened. We've been in this weird situation where we've got men over a long period of time, deciding history, deciding what is sacred, deciding who gets to be sacred, who gets to be in power, who gets to be the healers, and what is sin? And then how do we shame people into submission? How do we manipulate people away from their true nature? Well, you know, our bodies, a woman's body, our erotic nature is like the tuning fork of our knowing. Our intuitive, instinctual nature is it's entirely physical and it's pleasure-based. Well, so how do you dominate a woman? Well, just make damn sure that you shame every part of her. We need to make her the root of all sin. We need to blame the fall of humanity on her. I mean, let's not play a small card here. Let's go right to the beginning of Christianity. We, you know, take down the women. And when you take down the women and when you shame people, you're shaming people away from our greatest need, which is each other. So you're shaming the body, you're shaming the heart, you're shaming love, you're shaming what we are, you're shaming pleasure uh, and creativity and freedom and free thought. And when you're systematically shamed away from your own nature, then how do you belong? Well, we're not allowed to belong to our planet, which is our ultimate belonging and our ultimate sense of safety. We're not allowed to, you know, we're not allowed to belong to her. When it comes to women, you know, let's go to the witch burnings. Let's go to the desecration of such proportions that they were obviously very 
specifically designed to do the maximum damage, not just to women, but to the relationship between women, competition between women, sending each other down, betraying each other. What's the, what's the greatest shame somebody can hold, you know, causing the death of her own mother, her own sister, like incredible levels of manipulation. And then let's go to the scientific revolution and the industrial revolution and the discovery that we know how to dominate the crap out of our planet. And the fact that we've already numbed ourselves off from our feelings, our felt relationship, our belonging to this planet as sacred, and that evolution and development comes through the domination of life, the domination of each other, the domination of the workforce, the domination of the forest, the domination of the ocean. It's like we've been hell-bent for thousands of years on dominating each other, using each other, abusing each other, abusing life, and then excusing it. And that's excruciating, you know. And at what point has our species decided that we're going to prioritize growing the muscles of alchemizing pain or alchemizing guilt or dealing with slavery or dealing with genocide or saying, you know what, who we've been being, that's not what a human is. Well, we don't seem to have evolved there yet. So what we have is a vast amount of undigested trauma, generational undigested trauma, which is numbing us off and numbing us off. Right, well, so now what's left? Well, what's left is we're standing in this extraordinary position of, well, what am I then? What am I as a human? Well, in this moment, a human being is someone that is capable of making conscious the insanity that we've inherited so that we don't need to perpetuate that anymore. That's where we are right now. That's hugely exciting, very confronting for those people that want to just stay asleep and inconvenience. But we're at that gateway. But that's why we're as stuck as we are. And that's one of the reasons why I think life asked me to do Tree Sisters, because we're saying women are the feelers. They're the ones who are capable of holding intense pain and birthing new life. And that's where we are. Are we willing to feel the intense pain and birth new life, birth a new world, birth a new possibility? I have chills. I imagine that after that painfully truthful, beautifully channeled monologue of yours, women might be experiencing that feeling of overwhelm that makes people want to go to sleep again because it's just so much to bear. Because there's a hopelessness within the stages of grief right? That's part of the stages. There's a, there's a shock and denial. There's a pain and guilt. There's an anger and bargaining. There's a depression, the upward turn and the reconstruction and the working through. And with this rise of the feminine energy and also the rise of women and the consciousness around the planet surfacing, I feel like we're all in different phases of the healing of the grief right? We're all in different healing phases of the trauma. And so you get different layers of consciousness all interacting, trying to approach the same issue. And I want to talk about that because I think there's a lot of freaking out and you can't rush the grieving process, but maybe this is what Global Sisterhood and Tree Sisters really is. It's a, it's a place for us to heal this together so that we can be in that last stage of grief where there's reconstruction and working through and there's hope. There's hope and inspiration and creativity that comes online. And so I want to talk a little bit about that journey, maybe your personal journey about how you have come to see what's possible and, and have enough hope to carry you through? You know, I don't know that it's hope that carries me through. 
And that's not because I don't have hope. Um, I think it's love that carries me through. I love this world. I love this world. My love for this planet is all consuming. And for everything, you know, apart from mosquitoes. And that love will see me honor her, love her, cherish her, work for her until my final breath. And that's also my love of the miracle of awakening that happens through human beings. I mean, I struggle with people. Like, you know, I like rocks and they're simpler. But when a human being is vulnerable enough to allow for a significant shift of perspective that breaks them open, can sit in humility, can sit in not knowing. I find it so beautiful. It's like magical that the, the, dis, the deconstruction process of who we're not so that those exquisite sunburst moments of who we are when they come through, oh my God, it's so unbelievably precious. And so we seem to be creating our own demise or we seem to be needing to lose just about everything before we value what we've got. And there's part of me that goes, okay, if we could have done it differently, we'd have done it differently. This is how the human story is playing out right now. And there's no point me fighting that. At the end of that trip in Colorado, I was crying. I cried my way onto the airplane and I sat down and I turned out to be across the aisle from Barbara Marks Hubbard, who was asleep on the literally next to me. Hey there, this is Lauren, and I'm just popping in real quick to let you know who Barbara Marks Hubbard is. She was the very first woman to be nominated for the vice presidency of the United States on the Democratic ticket in 1984. She was beloved by so many and has been called the voice for conscious evolution of our time by Deepak Chopra. She is someone who spoke about beautiful evolutionary concepts. She was an author, visionary, social innovator, and educator. When she left her body in 2019, she left her legacy behind with us, and she left much of her writings and her work behind too. So go ahead and look her up. And I'm crying, and I'm looking at her, and I'm just like, oh, you know, you can't wake up an 86-year-old. And I was just like, Barbara, wake up, please wake up, please wake up, please wake up, and and this hand suddenly reaches across the aisle, like I'm sobbing into my hand. And she was like, Claire. And then she saw her, I was crying and she was like, what's wrong? And I said, I can't do it. I can't handle the desecration and the death of my world. And she looked at me. She looked at me with those eyes and she said, Claire, you have to find your intimacy with the evolutionary impulse. And it was one of those perfect Barbara transmissions where I said to like, I, I saw it boof out into cosmic consciousness and it went, Oh, okay. This isn't personal. This isn't personal. This is so much bigger than me. So much bigger than everything. So much bigger than my little human mind can comprehend. Stop taking it personally and start engaging with a cosmic unfolding. Stop being in relationship with an unfolding that you are not in resistance to, but you are making yourself available to be part of as consciously as you can. And in doing so, make yourself, you know, make yourself available for whatever that looks like. And don't try and control what it looks like. Because I get lost in that this is all bad. Well, there's another way of looking at it. This is all change. You know, this is all awakening. Okay. We've had species go extinct before. Okay. So I struggle with the fact that we're doing it. 
You know, well, it's happened before. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. She is exquisite and brilliant and infinitely creative. And she created us. You know, we are her. So we are life doing life. This is life doing life. It's just this is one iteration that I'd rather we weren't playing out, but we are. And this is an iteration of evolution because we are going to evolve through this process. Whether we feel like evolving or not, we are going to evolve and we are evolving. So um, when you can allow for something greater than you to permeate you, whether it's grief, whether it's love, whether it's an ocean, whether it's the sky, whether it's the death of a species, whether it's fully being with the death of a loved one or even the end of a relationship. When you can allow anything to have its way with you fully and be fully changed by it or fully present to it, it will grow you. It will grow you. And it will grow you into greater intimacy with what is. So every moment, depending upon our level of presence, will grow us and evolve us and therefore will shift our position in relationship to everything else. And so there is a way of being in relationship to what's going on in our world right now that is profoundly intimacy-creating and profoundly evolutionary. And that's where I put my attention. I don't put my attention on, are we going to make it? put my attention on how is this current moment and my presence to this current moment evolving me and therefore being of service to uh, the emergence of a different possibility that can only become possible because I'm willing to be present to it. One more question that emerged as you were expressing your beautiful love for life and for creation and for the mother when you give your love, do you feel that you are able to receive that much love in return? No, not yet. That is my biggest edge. And that is because I come from an incredibly misogynistic, violent background in which I shut myself down in a million ways because I couldn't digest what was being done to me. I mean, this is you know, and my background is probably exactly why I'm committed in the way that I am to the emergence of the feminine and the reawakening to humanity's experience of the sacredness of life. I have never known how to let love in. I armored up at God knows how young and then threw away the key and then armored up again and then threw away the key. And when you carry extreme shock because of trauma, it's very difficult to be embodied which is why my whole life is oriented to what becomes possible through embodiment, because I had that taken away from me, which is a complete, you know, I could just sit here and just go, poor me, what a victim. Or I can say, when you lose everything, which I did, the conscious process of reclaiming it means that you are incapable of taking anything for granted also means that you, you know, in the, in the consciously reclaiming, in the realizing how harmed or in the realizing how asleep or in the realizing how dissociated, you, you get to grieve that dissociation on behalf of all women. 
you get to grieve that dissociation on behalf of the planet because you understand what defilement feels like. You understand so much of what is ignored in this world because people can't bear to feel the desecration and the demolition. But if you're desecrated and demolished, then the process of bringing consciousness through that experience and back to love, which is my life's journey, I think probably my entire life's journey, you know, I'm healing the planet through my journey in my own body by putting consciousness back into what has been defiled. I'm healing womankind through my journey in my own body, the way that every woman that's been severely abused is doing that as she is willing to make it conscious and heal it and alchemize that pain. And so I call it cosmic stain removal, when you can log on to creation in such a way that you forget that you're human for a moment, you forget you're a woman or a man, and you just you allow yourself to be an energy body, and you, you can bring in the sunshine and the stars and the miracle and the endless love and the, the limitlessness of the cosmos, and then you can surrender up the bullshit that you've been filled with just like, oh my God, this is just all crap. It's a lie. It's a lie. And if, you, if you're no longer buying into it, it's no longer anchored into your body, then you can literally like give yourself up for cosmic stain removal. Like take it, ask the sunlight, ask the moonlight, ask the trees, just burn it out of me. I don't want this stuff anymore. It's not who I am. Damned if I want to die having not managed to figure out how to let love in. You know, I can let bits in here and there, but we're all a work in progress. Let's just keep breathing and let's keep holding hands and let's just keep trying to find the miracle and let's keep doing the cosmic stain removal and let's keep being in humility and let's keep just breathing and finding beauty and having compassion and being amazed and grab this life with both hands and astonish ourselves. I just want to speak a little bit about the giving up because I can feel this way, this desire to just be like, oh, it's so hard. This is so painful. And Lauren and I run the Global Sisterhood, and we feel the pain that women are experiencing. We feel where we're at. We feel the deep trauma. And sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Because it's it's terribly uncomfortable, but I want to talk about that that giving up bit and how you reconnect in those moments of just, shit, <laughs> this is so hard. It's a large amount of wailing and dribbling and blowing my nose on anything that's available or not, including my husband. And it's letting myself feel the depth of despair. That's it. It's all I got for you. So my job is to feel it. It's to feel it and to explore that feeling without necessarily taking any action whatsoever. You know, inside this grief, what is there for me? Because if I can feel fully what's asking to be felt, dots will be joined. Inside my psyche, I will become aware of things. I will realize things. Maybe one of the reasons we don't want to ever feel things is because we don't want to change. We don't want to become responsible for becoming honest enough with ourselves to realize that we're so out of integrity or that we're in the wrong relationship or that we're living in a way that we can't actually stomach. And the feeling of it, the grieving of it, 
we know instinctively is the gateway to change. Because if we're prepared to fully take responsibility for our creation of our lives and we're desperately unhappy, we'll change. We will change. But avoiding the feelings isn't going to get you anywhere because then you're just going to try and figure your way out of it with your mind. Your mind is just a receptacle of regurgitated lies that society's told us. It's nothing to do with the truth, not really. Our body, our hearts will communicate the truth. So if you want to figure out what's true, feel your way there. Don't think your way there. Your mind needs to receive from your heart. Your heart and your body will tell you the truth. I call it like falling through the false floors. Your grief will fall you through the false floors. Then you'll find yourself in a new territory with a new perspective. You know, how many of us are willing to even dare to have the floors demolished in case it means that our whole lives are going to have to change? You know, and everything we've done thus far was actually an expression of half a self that was just living at the effect of the trauma that we've been through and that actually we've no idea who we even are. You know, that's where I've been for the last few months. Hell on earth. And yet, if I'm going to discover who I actually am, I have to go through this. We have to go through this and be prepared to be born again and again and again within one lifetime and see that as a privilege and a rite of passage and a becoming, and that we're not just becoming for ourselves, we're becoming for everybody. And if we could have done it differently, we would have done. And everything we've done thus far is completely worthy and valid because if we could have done it differently, we would have done. I just really want to thank you for being so raw, so vulnerable, so honest. You really do give permission because we talk about this all the time. The female role models, we see a lot of women in, in businesses trying to be more like men. And that's not the kind of role models we need. You and women like you are the role models that we need. And you're doing it so gracefully. There's no one else like Claire. There's no one else like Claire. <laughs> but, She's the only one. But that might be a good that's thing. That's it. And, and it's like, and, and I see you and I hear you and I'm like, that's the path. That's the path. And you are literally the type of woman that is the reason why all women's emotions have been labeled crazy. You know what I mean? Like, the, it's true. Like, you're the reason you and the, the femininity you embody is the reason why women are like, deemed completely insane because what you're talking about is so profound that to somebody who doesn't understand they're like who is this crazy lady like why is she crying over those aspen trees but it's also so simple right it's crazy that we think it's crazy thank you for authentic feminine leadership or you know just being myself isn't that what authentic feminine leadership actually is and honestly, I'm too exhausted to try and be something else. I'm mashed. I'm just mashed. Like, I mean, what the hell have I been doing trying to reforest the tropics in 10 years? I mean, it's so completely insane. And yet it's forced me through so many fears. It's forced me through so many lies. It's forced me to not take myself so seriously in so many ways. It's forced me into a level of service that I wouldn't change at all because... Back in my 20s, I was afraid of everyone and everything, everything. I couldn't even walk through closed doors or down aisles of planes or trains. Like I was terrified of everyone and everything. Now I'll just walk straight out onto a stage in front of thousands of people and give them what for, just because, because this is this life that I have right now. And this is this planet that I love. And I'm damned if I'm going to be too afraid to give it my all. And I want that for everyone. That's that exquisite, vulnerable edge of breaking through and daring to believe that whatever comes out of your mouth 
is worthy, that you don't have to try and be anything for anyone, that there is no magical equation of what perfect is. We just get to drop the bullshit and allow what is to be here. But what I do love about myself is that I'm willing to simply be me. And if there's gold in there for anybody, when I open my mouth, well, then that's fabulous. And if it all sounds like bullshit, well, then that's fabulous because my job is just to be me and your job is just to be you. And can we take our brakes off? Can we unleash our wings? Can we dare to find ourselves worthy of everything in this life? Can we stop worrying about what people think about us? Can we stop waiting for permission? Can we unravel and fall apart and not know and shed our skins and go blind and cry a lot and be messy and then discover who's there on the other side and say, wow, that was fun. You know, we get to do it all. We get to just decide what a woman is. Allow the woman that is deep inside us underneath all of that conditioning to just like rip her clothes off and prance out on the stage and go, ta-da, you didn't think this was what it is at all, did you? Well, neither did I. Let's make it up as we go along. It's all there. It's all inside us. We are the volcano, the hurricane, the snowstorm, the butterfly. When you understand that you are it all, then what are we even doing thinking that we might be too much? So Claire. Yes. Final question. If you were to speak as Mother Gaia, Divine Mother, to our audience, what would she want you to say? Oh, my Lord. I am here as you, in you. We are one. You are me. I am you. I breathe you. You breathe me. You belong to me. We are one. When you cry, I am holding you. When you breathe, I am breathing you. Every part of you is every part of me. Wake up to the sacredness of existence in every moment and you will find your way home to me. Please come home to me. Thank you, Claire Dubois. My pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast with Claire Dubois. To learn more about Claire and to support her work reforesting the global forest, go to treesisters.org. And if you are ready to step into your feminine leadership and come along this journey with us at Global Sisterhood, check us out at globalsisterhood.org or follow us on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood. Talk soon. <laughs>